For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello everyone, this is Paul Brennan, PGA Professional with Believe in Tennessee Golf here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Our show is a breakdown of all things golf in the volunteer state. We will cover men's and women's golf tournaments, professional amateur events, and dive into junior golf as well. We'll talk to the players, the instructors, and the organizers. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. You can also find us on your favorite directory, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminaire, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com or at Believe Podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at pbrandon21 or on Twitter at QIC underscore golf pro. So the Masters was just completed, and if you haven't watched it, go back. It was absolutely amazing. Uh, Wire-to-wire finish from Dustin Johnson. Awesome. Amazing. Uh, Getting it done. I did pick him last week, or one of my five, so yeah, but anyway. Um, (laughs) Just the things he did, and I'm I'm just really going to recap everything uh starting at round one working away all the way through the major records he has set he has broken he is tied um going from there on so first thing we're going to talk about is he ties the major scoring record at 20 under which is with stinson in the 2016 uh british open and jason day in the 2015 PGA Championship. So, first time it's ever been done at the Masters. 18 under was the uh, record prior to that. Uh, Jordan Spieth had that. Uh, Dustin tied Jordan, uh, getting to 19 under, but Jordan was unable to hold on to that when he won his Masters. Dustin went ahead and birdied another one to get it done. Now, this is where all the weird similarities and consequent or technicalities uh, come in. Now, in the past 12 to 13 years that, the PG, that Dustin Johnson has been the PGA Tour, he has won 24 times now. He is the most dominant force we've seen in golf since that time frame. Now, again, the only other person to win close to that in that time frame would be Roy McIlroy. Um, if you look at the top 50, on all-time wins, uh, obviously Tiger is number uh, up there at the top spot. And if you look at those players that are under 50, Mickelson now turning 50 has moved up off that. He is on that list. It is uh, 43, 44 wins, I think it was when I looked at it. But Dustin has 24. Rory has 18. In the top 50, those three guys, Tiger, DJ, and Rory, are the only ones to be up there that are still competitive and playing full-time on the PGA Tour. Again, Mickelson's kind of bouncing back and forth. 
But going back in history and seeing this, Dustin won his 2016 U.S. Open at Oakmont. Players to win at Oakmont and Augusta. Obviously, Dustin in 20 and 16. Jack won the Masters six times in 63, 65, 66, 72, 75, 86. He also won the U.S. Open at Oakmont in 62. Hogan wins Augusta 51-53. He wins the U.S. Open at Oakmont in 53. Sneed wins the Masters 49-52-54. He wins the PGA Championship at Oakmont in 51. Gene Saracen wins the Masters in 35, but he won the PGA at Oakmont in 22. Uh, and the person to do it since those guys would have been Angel Cabrera, who won the 2000 and Masters, 2009 Masters with the 2007 U.S. Open at Oakmont. So Dustin playing the way he has... And he's found his own style. We can go into that and talk about it for days. But playing his game and doing his thing, again, 24 wins, the most active win streak, winning a tournament every year since he's been on tour. Um, getting to his second major, uh, getting his first green jacket. Going on to more records that he set, fewest bogeys to win at Augusta. Dustin made four for the whole week. And two of those came in around two. Um, Immelman, who was actually calling a lot of the coverage this week, when he won his Masters, he made five uh, to win. Also on that list would be Phil Mickelson, Crenshaw, Jack Nicholas, and Jimmy Durant, only making five bogeys for the week. So those guys put it where they needed to. They plotted themselves around the golf course, and they hit it where they needed um, again, impressive numbers from Dustin. Most greens hit at Augusta. He tied Tiger in 2001. Tiger hit 60 out of 72 greens. This is exactly what Dustin did this week. When Tiger last year won the 2019 Masters, he hit 58. That's what Vijay Singh did in 2000. And Jack, when he won the 86 Masters, hit 56. So again, just absolutely putting it where they needed to couple more stats to kind of look at. So, greens and regulation. For the week, Dustin was 83% compared to the field that was 66%. Fairways hit, he was 79% to the field, which was 70%. Sand saves, he was 75% to the field of 54. And putting, he averaged 1.62 putts per hole, whereas the field averaged 1.66. He hit more fairways, he hit more greens, he got up and down from the bunkers more, uh, and he putted less in the field. All recipes to win. Now, again, how it was impressive going wire to wire. When he stepped on the first tee on Thursday, the leader was already 7-under. He starts off, par on the first, eagles the second, rattles off five but pars in a row, birdies the eighth, turns it 3-under. Birdies 12, and then birdies 16, 15, 16, and 18 coming in to get it to a 65. Moving on to round two. When he tees off that day on 10, he was tied for the lead. He goes out, he birdies 11, 12, 13, and then he rattles off two of his four bogeys for the week 
on 14 and 15. Pars 16, 17, and 18 gets to the front nine, runs eight straight pars, and birdies the ninth to shoot 70, get nine under, and be tied for the lead. So again, in tied for the lead after day one, tied for the lead after day two. Moving into day three. Final pairing, tie for the lead, jumps out, par, eagle. Now he made two eagles for the week. They were both on number two. He goes eagle, birdie, birdie. He's four under after four. Birdie seven to turn it five under. And then semi goes on cruise control. Birdieing just the par fives on the back, 13 and 15. Shooting another 65. Teeing off the final day with a four-shot lead over Cameron Smith. Starts the final round. Pars one, pars two, birdies three. So you think this is where he's going to run away with it. And all of a sudden, he makes the bogey on the par three, number four. Hits his tee shot just a little short. Has the putt up the hill, rolls it up there at about five or six feet short, and then all of a sudden he misses the putt. So again, this is only his third bogey of the week. Caught the ledge, thought it was going to go in. Easy cleanup. Steps up on five. Now on five the previous day, he had pulled his tee shot at the bunkers, and he would kind of got a break that it stayed between the sliver of the bunkers from there. He was able to advance it on Sunday. Hits it on the same line. This time, doesn't get the bounce. It's in the bunker. Uh, over 200 out, that bunker lip, all he could do is just take a wedge and advance it up into the fairway. From there, he hits his wedge in there to five or six feet. Just misses the putt on the low side. So he's bogeyed two in a row. And at this point, he has a one-shot lead. Um, so it's getting ready to get interesting. Steps up on the par three, 180 yards. Hits his shot up there. Um, knocks it in there that five or six five or six feet range again. So it's three holes in a row that he's had it inside of five or six feet. He's just missed two. Steps up, makes this one. Goes on to birdie eight, and then he continues to dominate. 13, 14, and 15 to shoot a final round 68, winning by five shots. And again, breaking the master scoring record, tying the all-time major scoring record. And he wasn't the longest of the week. We saw some tee shots out of Bryson and, and Rory and, and Fatelli and these guys that were just absolutely bombing Not that Dustin's short by any means, but his best drive of the week uh, was in the 320 range. Those guys were hitting it in the 340 range. Uh, he averaged a little over 300 for the week. Now we know it was wetter conditions um, because of all the rain and the, and the delay that they had received on Thursday. But Dustin, again, just getting it done, playing his game. Now again, talking about his golf swing, growing up in the Carolinas, um, him and Kisner were actually big buddies, and you hear Kisner kind of joke around about it a lot, playing against each other in junior golf. But Dustin 
drew the ball, hooked it a lot as a kid and, and playing at Coastal Carolina. And then when he got on tours and started playing, he went and got with Butch and Claude Harmon, and they taught him how to hit the fade. Um, he still does it with a, a slightly bowed left wrist. We can definitely see that at the top. Helps him deal off the club and hit down and compress it and gets a ton of distance out of it that way. Um, it's not a golf swing you're going to mimic uh, in a lot of cases, but from the face on, his left wrist position, trapping that ball so well, I use it in most of my lessons uh, to, to work with my students and see what they need to be doing. But this is a guy who draws the ball naturally as a kid, and when he has to, he still can draw it. In fact, we saw a couple of double crosses, number five both days on Saturday and Sunday, coming in, and we saw it on 15 in the um, in the closing stretch. Even though he went on to make birdie, he pulled it down the left side of the fairway. He was blocked out by the trees, couldn't go for it, hit it down there to wedge distance, um, knocked it up on the green, and made the putt to, again, seal the deal. He was already clear, but just freewheeling at that point. But you're not trapped into one shot, but this is a guy who likes to play a cut, um, and they made that his go-to shot so that under pressure it doesn't get away from him. The faster he swings, the more he starts to cut it now. It's when he starts to guide it or slows it down tempo-wise, we actually start to see the draw come back into play. Um, I know we've seen a lot of coverage this week of him and Claude, or Claude talking about what they've worked on over the years and that. But again, amazing performance from Dustin Johnson this week. So they're moving on to uh, Sea Island this week. So the RMS uh, will be played there. So it'll be a lot of good events. I think I heard 25 of the top 50 in the world are going to be there. So again, that's a little bit of the Masters recap. We're going to jump into some questions from listeners and then I'll let y'all go to start getting ready for the holiday next week. That is Thanksgiving. Um, First question coming in uh, happens to be one of my students, Fred. Uh, he came in with a question a couple of weeks ago and coming in with another one. So after he and I did our playing lesson last week, um, we were talking about wedges and bunker play, and Fred dove in, and he's very analytical when he comes to this. But he went in and he learned the terms bounce and grind, things he's been playing golf his whole life and never heard, and reached out to me to know, what the differences are. Of course, we went to the websites, pulled everything up. But again, the things that we talk about this, um, the bounce is the angle from the leading edge to the trail edge of the wedge. Um, a traditional sand wedge of 56 degrees is going to have about 12 to 14 degrees of bounce. So that's just, the, again, the angle. Now, you can get low bounce, you get a high bounce. And what that comes into is the lower the number the more the club is designed to dig into the ground. Um, and it is hard pan type condition. So if you're trying to hit shots off of very tight hard pan or even cart path lies, you want something with very little bounce. If you hit a shot with a, or a wedge that has a lot of bounce, it's really good for softer conditions. It hits, it glides, and it resists that digging effect. Um, Greg Norman used to have a set of zero bounce irons built just to play at Augusta. Again, when they would play that in March and April, it's really much firmer than what we just saw. And so he wanted a club that would actually trap down, dig down, and hit shots like that. So dealing with the bounce, 
what I work with and fit a lot of my students into is we, if you tend to square face it and dig down, uh, I'm going to give you a club that has a little bit more bounce that resists the digging effect. Um, if you tend to flip the face open and like to zip underneath it, I'm going to give you a club that has less bounce um, because as you add bounce and add loft, you actually bring the leading edge off, edge off the ground and you might hit some thin shots. So using the bounce, um, I'll recommend carrying, you know, in today's society, we see a lot of 56-52 combos. Carry a low bounce um, 58-56 and then carry a high bounce 52 or 54 depending on your set makeup. That way when you get those longer bunker shots, you can roll that face open, you get more out of it, get more bounce. Um, again, if you're playing the same type of conditions all the time, get a wedge that fits those conditions. If you're playing versatile, then get something in the middle. Now when we talk about grinds, grinds were actually, they, they take it to a grinding wheel, is how it used to be done, and they would take material off the toe, the heel, the back edge, and this started to make the clothes more versatile. Um, I know I was in a, a meeting years ago, uh, Bob Voke had come to speak, and I kind of got to hang out with him, uh, an amazing guy, but all his grinds are based on tour pros, and so the K grind is a Tom Kite, uh, it's a very wide sole, old traditional 60s, 70s designed wedge, um, not for the player who just wants to hit the same shot over and over, not trying to work it that much, um, the L grind that he was making for a couple of years was the lefty. That was actually the Phil Mickelson grind. Um, Callaway offers a version of that um, in the in the the PW or the PM series. Um, you know, you've got wedges for Steve Stricker, and you've got wedges for Tom Pernice, and Invoke's made wedges for everybody over the years. But when you start getting into the grinds, they are moving weight around and so like Steve Stricker as we know was his putter um, he tends to get his hands a little bit higher so the heel of his club really is it in contact with the ground he's slightly toe down so on his grind there's gonna be a lot of toe relief they're gonna take some area off so the toe doesn't grab um, but if he was to roll that face open then the heel and the back end of the club would be getting in the way. So again, depending on a certain swing type or player type of wedges, the grinds can really help with that. Um, so Fred, I hope that helps a lot. I know we covered a lot of this in, in the studio the other day um, as we talked about it. But guys, uh, girls, when you're looking at wedges, the things you have to look at are the conditions you're playing the most. Because um, we all don't, can't have the luxury of having three and four sets of wedges, depending on the golf course. Um, I will say, generally say in the more middle range. But if you have multiple wedges in your bag, have one high bounce, have one low bounce. That will help you with that. I know I, um, I tend to roll my 58 open a lot. So I have a grind that allows me to manipulate that face. Uh, my 64 and my uh, gap wedge 52, those are more square face clubs. Even though I've got a 64, I don't open the face to hit blast it. I just use the natural loft of it. So I have a different sole pattern, grind pattern on my 52 and my 64 than I do my 58. So again, my 58 is my go-to club, but those other two come into play from time to time. So look at some wedge fittings. It's a great thing to do in the offseason. Um... Get with your local professional, get with your instructor, 
spend some time, go through, work on what type of grinds, what type of bounce you need for the conditions you're playing. Next question comes in from Tommy, and Tommy was asking about Abraham Answer and his putter. So Abraham Answer, this was his master debut. Uh, he's he's been out there for we've seen him playing for several years, um, being playing a lot on some of the smaller tours, uh, and and has made his way up um, again to his master's debut. But Tommy, so. Abraham's putter is actually a Stroke Lab uh, Odyssey putter, and that's what you're seeing in that shaft. Um, the questions were, why was the shaft two colors? So in the Stroke Lab putter, um, what they've done is they have a steel tip section that connects the putter to a graphite section that's in your hands. And the premise behind this is to take some of the vibration of the mishit out but at the same time, maintain a good, maintain a good feel. Um, the putter is back weighted, um, so you get an overall total weight. You get the weight in your hands. You've got the feel. Um, I do personally putt with a Stroke Lab style putter, uh, not the same head design as his. His was a Rossi. Um, but again, it, it deadens the miss hits, so I don't hear that, that feel it jarring. But I still get a consistent roll out of the ball when I hit it in the center. Um, it just it feels like butter coming off of it. Um, not an ad for Odyssey on this one, but Tommy asked the question about the putter, and just so happens I putt with it, so we went there. Um, but yeah, uh, the Stroke Lab series, they've got several types of... Uh, I've got a flow neck, so it's kind of a, a double or it's a slant. Uh, he was using the, the double bend. They've got the 10 series, which is... Um, uh, Toulon's version um, of he was the co-designer of the spider um, and so he's made his version of for Odyssey as well is the putter builder there so yeah get with you um, go to your local big box store go to your local club pro go to your local course um, they'll have some demo putters that you can kind of take out but roll the stroke lab uh, you're seeing a lot of people like that feel it just gives you more feedback even though it takes away the vibration of the miss hit you get more a better feel with just the the counterbalancing in the hand. So, Tommy, hope that helps you with that. Well, everybody, it was a great time talking about the Masters. It was so fun watching Dustin do what he did um, this week to that golf course, um, and it is our next major. So it's going to be amazing to have the Masters play back to back majors. Um, everybody, I hope you have a great Thanksgiving. Spend some time with your family. Um, I know a lot of the golf courses are actually because it's weather's predicted to be so beautiful uh we're going to see some courses that are going to be open on um thursday so if you've got some time a break to get away from the family just a little bit um and get a few holes in jump out there and do that but everybody take advantage of the weather we've got coming up but the biggest thing is enjoy the time with your family and friends next week and we'll talk to y'all then Thanks so much. Again, this is Paul Brennan with Believe in Tennessee Golf here on the Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe? Please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. You can also find us on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminaire, and TuneIn. You can find all our shows from Believe at Believe.com or at Believe Podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at pbrennan21 or on Twitter at QIC underscore golf pro. Thanks again. Talk to you all next week.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.